Welcome to Finding Your Bench, brought to you by Parkside Investments, a show designed to help listeners overcome the challenges associated with preparing for retirement. Hello and welcome to Finding Your Bench, presented by Parkside Investments. This is Nelson Green, and with me today is Parkside's founder and chief investment officer, Alan Cole. Alan's on to talk about the possibility of stagflation and what investors should know about this type of economic environment. Alan, I was listening to our podcast back in October when you were talking about the impact of oil shortages and the potential for inflation. This was October 2021. Uh, Fast forward to now, and obviously inflation has taken everything by hold. Uh, I want to ask you, is this where you thought we would be? Uh, The simple answer is not really, but yes. Um, So obviously we had a war that came in and that had a huge impact on all inflation, including energy. Uh, Oil prices skyrocketed because of all the potential restrictions on Russian oil being exported to Europe as well as around the world. So that caused an additional spike in oil that certainly wasn't anything that I would have anticipated at the time. But we're still seeing persistent inflation. Lately, there's been a little bit of a of a come down of some of the commodity prices in the past couple of weeks. But we still think that there's going to be intermediate long term pressures in a lot of these commodities, be it food, energy related, et cetera. And you're starting to hear whispers, whether it be all the talking heads that you have on behind you um, about about potential of stagflation. What I'd like you to get into is maybe just give us an overview of stagflation and what that could look like here and maybe the next, uh, call it intermediate term. Sure. Well, stagflation uh, has two parts. The uh, We'll start with the last part first. The flatflation part is inflation. So that has to do with rising prices and more of a persistent rising prices. The stag part is reflected of stagnant, um, and that does not necessarily mean recession or uh, shrinkage in in growth. It it can just mean substandard growth. So if you think that the economy should uh, naturally grow two, three, four percent, this would have lower growth. It could include a recession um, I, I think that seems to be what the market is most concerned about right now, and uh, rightfully so, because there's a lot of uh, confluence of events that are occurring that makes people concerned that a recession is either likely or at least you know, a 50-50 coin, uh, coin toss. Sure. And uh, last time we really had a period of stagflation was the 70s, right? So. What, what type of parallels are you drawing between today and the 70s? Do you think there is a parallel there? Clearly, energy prices in the 70s were, pr- were pretty high. Uh, do you think there are a lot of parallels? Do you think it's something completely different or are we in the middle? Well, just to be clear, I was a young person in the 70s and I was more interested in watching Cubs games uh, on TV than I was about what was going on with the prices of oil and other things. Um, there are some similarities. Uh, Clearly, we're having inflationary pressures. Uh, Back then, a lot of it was related to oil prices, and it was also related to uh, big fiscal spending increases. So those are parallels. There are a lot of differences, though. Um, Back then, the oil prices were rising mostly because OPEC was purposely withholding, and it was more of a, a geopolitical issue that they were withholding 
uh, production, whereas now it's more of a natural decline in production rates, supply, the whole movement towards ESG that has caused uh, more of a shrinkage in available supply and add into that the war that's been going on uh, over the past several months, that that's really what's driving the uh, oil prices. And, and it, probably we're dealing with a shorter term situation. What you may not uh, remember in, in the history books is that actually in 74, oil prices quadrupled. And then again, at the end of the decade, so six years later or five years later in, in 79, uh, they went up 180% in that year as well. So you're dealing with a couple of massive spikes, whereas this seems to be more of an evolutionary change because of uh, um, the changes in, in the supply. Um, what I would say is that there are some notable differences. Um, thinking back to the 70s, inflation was persistent throughout the decade. If you look at the annual inflation, it was like above 6% on an annual basis I think eight out of the 10 years. That's not what we're looking at uh, ahead, we don't think. Uh, we, we certainly hope that that's not ahead. But you know, one of the things that came out of the 70s was something called the misery index. And that related to adding together inflation and unemployment as really a sign as to the misery that the, that the population was going through. And back then it spiked to 20, over 20% adding mm -hmm. those two together, we're barely a little over half of that right now. The other thing is that the misery index was at the end of the decade, it was like in 1980. So you're talking about a long period of time of just really, really lousy fundamentals. And here we think that this is gonna be a little bit more transitional, uh, maybe a couple of years, but nothing nearly as bad as it was back then. So I'm a Jaguar fan and I'm familiar with the misery index, but I don't think it's the same. Well, my misery index was as a Cubs fan in the seventies, uh, my misery was more related to the Cubs than it was related to inflation. But uh, <laughs> I think I was maybe in the minority about that. Fair enough. Um, talk to me about the fed, right? We have, um, Jerome Powell being on CNBC, any other news publications, it seems like almost daily. How big of a role does the fed play in curbing, let's call it stagflation in this case? Well, you know, you could argue that they're either going to curb it or help create it because, um, they're going to have to be aggressive. At least that, that was the market's view. And that's why they went forward with a 75 basis point increase just last week and the indication are that they're going to be very aggressive in, in getting ahead of this so all that's going to dampen uh, economic growth and that's clearly what they're trying to do their only tool is to slow down economic growth enough to reduce the demand side of the equation they can't do much to change supply we're still dealing with supply constraints because of the war as well as prior to the war, COVID supply chain issues was really restricting supply. And so there's two sides of the equation that's causing inflation. The Fed's going to try to reduce the economic growth enough to hurt the demand side. Can they sort of thread the needle and do it without creating a recession? I think that there's a lot of people that are very skeptical about that. Uh, and I would say that it's going to be really tough to have a quote unquote soft landing, uh, something where they are able to thread that needle. But that's what they're going to try to do to at least primarily focus on reducing the inflation part. I've heard the term soft landed 
or soft landing probably be used uh, what, 100 times a day in the, yes. in the last two months. Um, speaking of the Fed, you look at Volcker in the 80s and his Fed, rates got up to 20%. Do you think that's even a possibility or anywhere close today? I don't think that that's <laughs> likely. Yes, uh, it was persistently in the teens and then it got up to 20%, as you said. You know, we're starting coming in from a very low level. And even as you see the Fed having to raise rates, you know, what's interesting in the last week or two is we've had some really significant volatility moves within interest rates. And just looking at the U.S. 10-year, the 10-year has gone from below 3%. It spiked up to like almost 3.5% mm-hmm. a week or so ago. And we're already back down to call it 310 on the 10-year. So I think that that's sort of telling you that we're not going to have significant inflation because the Fed, as well as maybe some other more natural factors, are going to cause the inflation rate to decline enough so that we're not going to have to deal with Fed hike after Fed hike after Fed hike. They're probably going to do a number of hikes this year. And then it's just as likely that they may have to cut rates next Mm -hmm. year, 2023, because the economy is going to be going so slow. And there, you know, there are a lot, other, a lot of other factors that are very dissimilar between now and back then. Um, and just, just to rattle off too, um, internationally, there's far more trade going on today. And that helps dampen inflation because there's far more choices about where you can source supply. Back in the 70s, uh, international trade wasn't as prevalent. There, there, a lot of countries were locked in more in terms of having their own supply chains within their country. And so there wasn't as a, abundant options for them to try to seek out lower prices or better prices. Um, the other issue is, is that the labor markets, you know, right now we're coming in with a pretty low unemployment rate. And I think that we can all expect that we're going to go from uh, a place of having a lot of job openings and very few people willing to work there. And pretty soon that probably is going to switch where either through layoffs or other actions, there's going to be a a greater uh, labor force availability. And the labor force is less uh, organized than it was back then. Uh, unions were very prevalent and had a lot of control and a lot of the pricing power and were forcing through a lot of inflationary increases in wages um, back in the 70s. And that's just a little less evident today, although there are some changes going on with some industries in terms of increased unionization. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, so just to put a button on this and close it up, I know you can't really name names, nor do we really want to name names, but if you are looking to adjust your portfolio for potential stagflation, call it in the next 18, 24 months, what type of advice do you have out there? Well, you really want to look at companies and industries that have one of two characteristics. Either they have pricing capacity where they can raise prices, and so the cost burden, which typically limits corporate profit margins and eats into it in an inflation environment, at least they can protect their margins and be able to maintain reasonable profit margins. Um, the other side of it is particularly dealing with the stagflation part is trying to find businesses or industries that are uh, a little bit more dependable in terms of growth. It doesn't have to be the highest growth possible, but you know, as an example, healthcare companies typically 
are not a bad place to be in this type of environment because the view is is that their drugs are going to be required uh, to be taken. The population continues to age, and so there might be some continuing demand um, long term for areas uh, within the healthcare drug companies in particular. Okay. Any uh, any closing thoughts here, Alan? Let's uh, let's hope that the misery index, uh, as it relates to sports teams, and more importantly, as it relates to the economic factors, uh, comes nowhere near to where it was back in the '70s. And you know, it's just something that we're going to continue to watch the Fed and continue to see the economic data, inflation data that comes out to monitor where we are. But we don't think it's, we're going to have a repeat of the '70s. It may rhyme, but it won't be an exact replica. I love it. All right. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate it. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for listening to Finding Your Bench with Parkside Investments. For more information or to get in touch, please visit us at parksideinv.com. The opinions expressed in this program for general information purposes only are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education around the financial industry. To determine what investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested in directly. As always, remember, investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.